to start off this morning asking a rhetorical question. Uh, the question is, how do you believe, how do you think God views you right now? In this moment, how do you, how do you think God views you? What do you think he thinks of you? In this moment, like this very moment, just after 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, how does he feel about you right now? And then in this season of life, how do you think God views you in the season of life? Um, and as you, as you think about that, think about this, um, what is there in your past that shapes your answer to that question? So how does God view you in this moment and in this season of life? And what is there in your past that might shape how you answer that question? And then maybe more importantly, who is it in your past that might inform their answer to that question? Um, some of you will know the theological answer to that question. You'll say that God views me as he views his son, Jesus Christ, because of the atoning sacrifice that he made on the cross. You can impress us all with your theological uh, profundity. I think that's a word. Thanks, Kelly. The teacher in the back says it is a word. Um, though I am not above making up words. Um, so what shapes that? Who shapes that? And why do we think that? And not the theological answer. I want to know, you're walking out to the street to it's, it's trash night and the trash cans are going to get picked up tomorrow and you're rolling your trash can out to the road and your neighbor says, very oddly, how do you think God views you right now? What's your answer in, in that moment to, to, to your neighbor, to somebody over coffee? What, instead of, I'm a pastor asking you the question rhetorically, I, I, I want you to think about how you, like your knee-jerk response, non-theological question there. Um, a practical answer that your neighbor has asked you. Um, what I want to say to you, and what Paul says in the book of Galatians, is that God loves you no matter what is in your past. God loves you no matter who is in your past. God loves you no matter what you've done in your past. The beautiful part about the message we'll hear today, I, I think the most glorious thing we'll hear in this scripture today is that Paul is a guy who his very life, like what he intended to do with his life, the thing that gave him the most pride was, was hunting and killing people because he wanted to please God. That's like, that, that's baffling to me. Like the heartbeat of Paul's life. What If he were to go to sleep saying today was a good day, meant he would have participated in the execution of people because God had told them to. Like God gave a mark in his positive column because someone died today. That's Paul. But grace goes beyond even that. I, I, I talked to several of you last week. And, and some of you said, I felt really convicted because there is a lot of broken religion that is at my fingertips in my past. I can look back and I was the broken religion person. But the life of Paul proclaims a message that grace is bigger than that. It's way, way bigger than that. Um, broken religion is 
did this before. Broken religion is um, asking someone, I'm going to give this to Mandy. Yes. I feel really confident about that, Mandy. Um, Broken religion is asking someone to carry something that Jesus does not intend for them to carry. Broken religion is asking someone to carry something that Jesus does not intend for them to carry. You win this prize, Jeff, the big one. And you win that prize. And I think something that that I've kind of found this week, broken religion also not just brings something to someone that makes them carry something that Jesus did not intend for them to carry, but more than that, it... It confuses. Broken religion confuses. I, I want you to hear me say this to you today. I, th- this, is, this is really important. That God's plan is a laser focus to your heart and to your soul to proclaim a message that I love you and I accept you completely and fully. Broken religion serves to confuse you in that. Broken religion says, God loves me something else. If I give more, if God would have loved me more had he not given me the parents that he gave me. But the the laser focus of the grace of God says this to you. I love you. And broken religion, perpetrated by broken people, break into that and confuse it. So we're not just carrying around a weight that God did not intend for us to carry around. We're confused. Wait a second. I was taught by a Sunday school teacher when I was seven years old that this is the truth. On top of that. And there's confusion that happens God's laser-like focus says grace is bigger than that. And if, if God can redeem a murdering savage like Paul to proclaim his truth and write most of the New Testament, then he can redeem you and restore you. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, let's open our Bible to Galatians chapter 1 and see... Paul talking here. Um, last week we talked about Galatians being a, a book that Paul wrote to a, a collection of churches in a region called Galatia. He would go into a city, proclaim the truth, Christians would come, people would, would be converted to the faith, and then the religious leaders there would kick him out, and Paul went to seven or eight cities and then established churches in those seven or eight cities, and now he's writing a book, uh, writing a letter to them. Today, we start out in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. And the first couple of verses here are Paul proclaiming his authority. Um, Let me make no mistake here. Paul has authority to proclaim this truth. He is no longer a purveyor of broken religion. Verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. That is, it's not broken. And, and here's the thing. We, can, we have confusion in our world. No preacher today is Paul. No preacher today can 100% uh, 
claim this, I, this is the absolute 100% I have authority here. Paul was given this message and this gospel that we can read about by Jesus Christ himself to proclaim it. And that's the message that Paul is stating here. It's not my gospel. It's not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a laser-like focus that's here. There's three things that I want us to see this morning in the, in the passages, uh, the, the rest of this passage. Um, they are, first, Paul was formerly a seller of broken religion. Second, Paul is changed by the gospel of grace. And then third, Paul lives on a redeemed mission. The first one, Paul was formerly a seller of broken religion, shows up in verses 13 and 14. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my, my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. So much is there. Look at the words that, that, he, that he mentions here. He violently tried to destroy it. I, I said it already this morning. Paul's purpose, Paul's, this is how I'm going to please God today, was to kill people. That's really big, you guys. Paul's plan to please God was to kill people. And he was advancing in Judaism beyond many his own age. That is his brain. He was proud of two things, his brain and his ability to kill people. And he thought that that made God like him more. His religion was broken. And he was zealous for the traditions of men. This is Paul. Um, there are a lot of things that happen in this world that are the fault of people trying to please God. Throughout all of history, throughout all religions, there are atrocities that, are, that have taken place in the name of God. And that's terrible. And Paul is one of them. And you are likely one of them. I am definitely one of them. Um... The second point is in verse 15, and this is the, the biggest thing here. Um, uh, before we get there, I want to tell another story. Last week I told a story about a girl uh, whose shirt, her skirt was too short, and they, she was sent home from a youth group when I was younger. Uh, this story takes place at a youth camp that I was at um, maybe 10 years ago, 8, 10 years ago, something like that. There's a girl who was part of a foster family, um, been in and out of several foster homes, been in and out of her actual home uh, several times. So she lives with mom, foster family, takes care of her for a while, goes back to mom, foster family, takes care of her for a while, goes back to mom, in and out of foster, different foster families, different foster homes. Um, sexual abuse had taken place in her from uh, different men that mom had been involved with. You guys know the story. Uh, this girl, never been in any kind of church setting before, shows up at, uh, at a place called Super Summer, which is a, a camp for, it's a Christian camp. Um, and she was beginning to understand grace through what was being taught to her in her, uh, in her team, but then also from the stage, beginning to understand grace and beginning to kind of, kind of put it together. And uh, throughout the, the week, Throughout the, the first couple of days, she had been told by people she needed to go change her clothes. So she went back and changed her clothes. And she basically was wearing pajama pants all, all week because that's all that she had that was long. She's like 
over six feet tall. So uh, what would be a normal length skirt for a normal girl looks short on her because she's over six feet tall. So now she's wearing pajama pants in the summertime all the time because that's all she has that's long enough. Uh, Then she's beginning to understand the gospel. She's beginning to understand what people are saying to her. And every night concluded with a big worship service. and, And it was a really big deal that was happening. And so she was beginning to see the gospel and beginning to to be drawn to Jesus. And so she decided she had a longer skirt and it was her nicest skirt that she owned. I'm going to wear this skirt to, to worship tonight. And because I, I want to please God. And she does. And as she's walking into the, the, the big worship center on campus, uh, someone says to her, your shirt is too, your skirt is too short. You got to go change. And she immediately breaks down in tears and takes off running where she runs into my wife um, and Rebecca Klein. And for the rest of the week, um, this girl is confused and hurt and frustrated and has no idea what's going on in her world. And the, the, so the, there's, all the, there's so much there, right? There's so much there we can draw from. But where I want to zone in on is the confusion that was present in this girl. Jesus was drawing her. I got to have three or four conversations with this girl throughout that week. And Jesus was clearly drawing this girl. But there were voices all over the place telling her, Jesus and this, Jesus and that, Jesus and not this, Jesus and not that. People were were speaking this to this girl over and over again. And she's just thoroughly confused. What's happening? What's going on? And, and this girl's got so much baggage that's brought to her. And she's confused. And the worst part about the story that I can have for you today is I don't know how, I have no idea who she is or where she is today. I wish I could tell you some beautiful, wonderful story that she's leading some ministry and got a wonderful life, but I don't have any idea. I know that she left that campus that week going back to broken religion in her home and broken religion in her, in her family and broken life in those places. But she had been presented with the gospel, and I don't know what happened to her the rest of her life. Um, I'd really love to, if any of you guys have any PI skills, let me know. I'd love to find her. Um, The second thing for us to point out and see today is Paul is changed by the gospel of grace. Can I read Galatians 2.15 over us? Can, Can you hear this? But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace, the only reason that you and I have any kind of relationship with God is because of grace. The only reason that you and I have any kind of relationship with God is because of grace. There is no resume that is necessary. There is no resume that's necessary for a relationship with God. And anyone that tells you any different is a liar. There is no resume, grace, 
everything that is in you that might be attractive to God was put there by God. By something we call grace. And the calling of you in that grace was perpetrated by God. Look what he said. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, God had set Paul apart before he was born. Nothing he did previous, nothing that he did after, did anything to change what had happened before time began. He called you by his grace. Wherever you are, whoever you are, past, present, or even future, grace is your only hope. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever has happened in your past, and even more, whatever is going to happen in your future, there is more grace. It's the only thing that matters. No matter who you think you are, or where you think you are, or how awful things seem to be, the gospel of grace reaches you. Think about it. Paul's atrocities. He was killing people because he thought God told him to. Who's the guy in North Carolina who just got sentenced to death this week? Like, that's Paul. Laughing and mocking the church. Killing it. Because worse than that kid is that Paul's doing it because he thinks God told him to. He thinks he's doing God a favor. And you think grace can't reach you? The gospel of grace reaches you and it always accomplishes its purpose of redeeming and restoring you. Grace always accomplishes its purpose in reaching, redeeming, and restoring you. More than that, it calls you to a mission. That's the third thing. Paul lives a redeemed mission, verses 16 through 24. He was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem, those who were with the apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went into Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And when I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. There were people, by the way, this is inserted here parenthetically in verse 20, but there were people in the world who thought Paul was a big fat liar and he's having to speak against that. He's laying out his post-grace resume. Verse 21, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and I was still unknown in the person of the churches in Judea that are in Christ. They only were saying that they were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul has made a career, a life, out of impressing people and thinking he was impressing God with his brain and with his actions. He's made a career out of hunting and killing people and is absolutely contrary to who God is and his character. But God uses even this arrogant, murdering Paul 
to proclaim his message. This is a really big God. Whatever it is that, have busy, that you have busied your life with, God has a bigger plan than that. So there, there's, there's sort of two hearers that need to hear this message. One is those apart from Christ. Those that are apart from Christ need to hear this message, that their grace is big enough to reach you. It's always going to be big enough to reach you. Always, always, always. And then the people who are in Christ need to hear this part of the message. And this is vastly important. Is whatever broken religion you have perpetrated, see Paul. Please see Paul. And he can redeem and restore your mission. He will. Man, I really wish I could go back to 22-year-old Rick and speak this to him. So much better would have happened. But hear this, you guys. Whatever broken religion you think that you have perpetrated, Paul's was worse. And look at him now. And what's the difference? Paul still, you can just read his gospel. Just the way he writes. He leans towards arrogance. It's a truth about who he is. But God redeemed that. Whatever it is that you think is broken about you or broken that you've done, God does redeem and restore it. That's, that's like his, God's job. Like the product of God's life. The product of God's character. The product of, of, of interacting with God is redemption and restoration. So whichever boat you find yourself in, grace. It's so very incredible. Let me read the last verse of our passage over us. And they glorified God because of me. That seems like a very arrogant Paul thing to say. Everybody glorified God because of me. Right? But if, if you look deeper into that, what do you just say? I've, I've said this to, to people many times. If there is anything of any value that is found in Rick, it's there from God. If there is anything of any value that's found in you, it was put there by God. And more than that, and cooler than that, those things that are in you that are of value that were put there by God were put there by God so that you, you could proclaim him. That's incredible. That's incredible news. And, and here's, here's the secret. There are circles where you find yourself. I've used this phrase a lot in the last couple of months. Your circles. Like the block that you live on. The family that you live in. The, the place on your floor where you work. The people that you encounter. Those are your circles. And God has ordained that so that you might proclaim the gospel of grace there. Do you have children? That's a circle. 
Do you have a job? Do you go to school? Those are circles. Do you live in a neighborhood? Those are circles. Do you have brothers and sisters or friends or family? Those are your circles. And God intends for you to be a commercial for his grace. Um, Grab your bulletin, if you would. Everybody got one? Grab your bulletin. On the back of that, or the front of it, I don't know what's the front of the back. This part of it, right there. Part with truth on top. Um, I want to read these statements over us because I think they're vitally important for us. And we've written them down on a piece of paper so that you can take it with you. And you can read them throughout the course of your day. These are facts and benefits of the gospel for you. The sovereign hand of God called Paul. It's calling you. The gospel of grace called Paul. It is calling you. Stop for a second and consider that. The gospel of grace called Paul. And it's calling you. The gospel of grace is calling you. Can you hear a, a, a jacked up, self-confessed, dummy pastor standing in front of you saying, the gospel of grace is calling you? Man, there's... I say a lot of things in my life. I say a lot of things. But I don't think I say a more important thing than that. The gospel of grace is calling you. Paul was saved from broken religion to live in the gospel. You can live in the gospel. God has a mission for you, redeeming you from your sin, from your broken religion, and to proclaim the gospel to yourself and to your circles. The purpose of the redemption of your broken religion is the glorification of God. The gospel is enough to change the life and heart of the ultra-religious and the ultra-irreligious. His grace is for you. We speak that to you too. No matter who you are or where you're at in the religion spectrum, in the God spectrum, no matter how you answer the first rhetorical question that I asked today, His grace is for you. God's sovereignty and grace is bigger than your ability to mess things up. I want to jump around and act a fool from that one. That's incredible. His sovereignty and his grace is bigger than your ability to mess things up. The last thing, stop carrying your weight. You don't have to do it anymore. Stop carrying your weight. You don't have to do it anymore. His grace is for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you that it's so incredibly beautiful. Thank you that your grace is bigger than our mistakes. 
Thank you that your grace is bigger than my mistakes. Thank you that we can interact with your grace at any time. God, would you draw people into your presence? God, but would this, would this response time, Father, not be mundane, Father? God, the weather has been crazy this weekend, but somehow you've allowed us to be together in this room this morning, Father. And I pray that you would use your grace to change lives. God, please, we love you. We ask you to draw us each into your presence this morning because every one of us needs your grace this morning. God, may it be so. In Christ's name, amen.